Welcome to Stories with Strength, the podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from our favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer Sheehers. And I'm Tyler Sim. And Merry Holidays, Happy Christmases, Hanukkahs, Kwanzaa, Happy Christmas, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the holidays as we come to the end of the year, whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, we wish you the merriest of them. Yeah, Happy December. Happy December. <laughs> Happy, Happy the end of 2022. <laughs> Winter solstice. I mean, we could go on. There's lots of holidays in There's this time so period. There's so many beautiful holidays this time period. And I know I didn't cover them all. And we are honoring the holiday season this year by diving into something strange, which is the tradition of the non-holiday holiday things. Yeah. <laughs> for this theme we were talking like what could we do what would be fun and I was like we should you know take a nod to the things that aren't holiday related but are so commonly associated with the holidays and we are diving into the world of the slightly off the yeah. slightly different yeah it's a holiday movie but it's not a holiday movie. holiday movie exactly so with that said There are so many amazing holiday traditions across cultures Mm. and across religions and across even just families. And I was wondering, Tyler, do you have a holiday tradition in your family that is not holiday related, stereotypical at all? Hmm. That's not holiday related. Right. Like it's not watching Elf or going over to your friend's house and watching uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol while decorating way too many Christmas trees. I don't know what that one could be. I don't know what that one could be at all related to. Um, Yeah, actually, not necessarily a family tradition, but this has become a tradition, which Mm -hmm. is uh, we we do Christmas uh, for our D&D game. uh, And every every year where it's been that we've been playing a character for a year, I will buy a custom little mini for my players when I'm running the game. And that way they have a, you know, a little memento of our time together. It's always the, it always has to be like a year of them playing because any less than that. And I'm like, you're not really invested yet. Um, <laughs> but, and then also like I went on the years when we don't have that. Cause these games run for multiple years at a time. Cause we only are able to play once a month. If that, um and so I've gotten crafty and decided to do some stuff with that so for this year's Christmas I've got an idea of what I'm doing already um I'm excited for it but Jen is one of those gift receivers so I'm not going to tell her um I also have things coming in from Etsy for Christmas this year and I'm so excited for them yeah but that's become one of my favorite traditions is having this sort of gift giving thing that's totally not holiday related it's definitely D&D related and it's D&D gifts uh, usually as well because anytime we end up giving a gift at our table we call it Christmas. yeah so like I'll come back from comic-con with like just a d20 dice and I'm like hey y'all Christmas. <laughs> here's a d20 for edition. you yeah yeah right. um and yeah so like one year I got spell spell slot trackers one year mm-hmm. we did we've done minis a few times now Big um, dice, metal dice. <laughs> yeah, metal dice I've done. Um, and so this year, this year I'm excited for what it's gonna be. Um, but you'll find out that later. We'll find out soon. I'm excited. Oh, that is soon. Oh, I need to order some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're right, I had, that is soon. I had to make sure I put my order in um 
right away because I was like, we need these in by the beginning of December. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But awesome. The stuff I need is I can get through Prime. So if I need to, I can wait until two days before, but Beforehand. I should probably go sooner than that. <laughs> yes. Um, so in my family, regardless of the holiday, really, we play Rummy Cubes. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, the game Rummy Cubes is not a holiday game at all no not at all <laughs> not at all um it's actually very competitive in my family and it's even not the spirit of the holiday stuff <laughs> but uh, it is our family game and uh it has a lot of positive memories but we always play board games especially at the the holidays um and i would say the second kind of non i guess it is kind of holiday e because it's associated with it but um we are huge Black Friday people mm-hmm. in our family back in the day. Um, and to the point where we have postponed eating dinner or um, like changed the time of Thanksgiving dinner to wait earlier or sometimes later and go based. And this was like back when like Black Friday was like a thing, like yeah. get up at like 3 a.m. to go get a sewing machine, which I successfully did. Um, and that I mean it's kind of holiday it's kind of not but again like I would say our primary thing is our game of rummy cubes that that comes out sometime during the holiday tradition so with that said Tyler what holiday movie that's not a holiday movie that brings us brings you a new client yeah uh so I had difficulty i was thinking of some stuff um but i realized that my last you know handful of people we 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 hadn't been as diverse as i would like us to be um so my initial thought was to do the movie the holiday which is one of my favorite romantic comedies but then i realized damn that's a white movie that movie's got lots of white people in it um and no no offense to white people but it was like we need we need to we need to have a little bit more um diversity in this so instead i went to the marvel universe yeah. uh because well you know just love that the stuff yeah and there's a couple of marvel movies that are christmas movies but not really mm-hmm. um the only thing that i would say is explicitly christmas so far is the hawkeye uh show Mm-hmm. is very explicitly Christmas. Uh, and then coming out soon is the holiday special for the Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's going to also, I think, be very explicitly Christmas. Um, but instead, I picked a movie where if you blink and you miss it, <laughs> you wouldn't know that it takes place in December at all. Um, mostly because there's, you know, there's wizards, there's multiple spider people running mm-hmm. around. Uh and all within that chaos, there are two high school students who are just kind of caught up in the action. And so I picked one of those high school students. So we're going to be talking about Michelle Jones Watson, who is 17 or 18. She's a senior in high school. So 17 or 18. We're not quite sure when her birthday falls. Uh, she is biracial, African-American and white European-American, cisgender woman, heterosexual, as far as we know. Um, I could see her being a little bit more open, maybe being a little bit more pan, but I think from canon resources, she is heterosexual. Um, And she's a student in high school getting ready to graduate and go to college, applying for colleges. So 
the first thing you need to know about Michelle Jones is that she's, you know, been sort of a quote unquote labeled as a troubled individual for most of her life. Um, She is a very deep thinker and very intelligent, very smart, and also very emotionally intelligent as well. Although she doesn't express a wide range of emotions, but she is very in tune with how she feels and comes across as somebody who is like that. Uh, her, Her lack of expression I don't think is a dissociative or pushing down of her emotions. I think it's that she's so in touch with how she feels. She's so insightful that she's reached this sort of like, yeah, all right, I know what I'm feeling. Um, Zen-ish kind of experience, which a lot of people at the end of therapy, that's what they feel. Um, or they're or they're like me and your emotions are just directly on your sleeve and you just cry at everything. Um, but Michelle is not that way, I don't think. And she is coming off of a very public trauma where she has been dating Peter Parker for a while. We've all known this. But then we found out recently that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And not only that, he's been accused of the murder of another hero, Mysterio. And accused not just of murdering Mysterio, but of trying to murder civilians in this battle that happened in the UK um, not that long ago. And so talking to Michelle about this, experiencing this very public trauma of people are accusing your boyfriend of this and what's gone on and where are you at in this situation? Because, you know, we focus a lot on how Peter Parker reacts because he's Spider-Man, but how are you doing? Like, are you okay with this? Are you, you know, what's your feeling on the whole situation? and being pulled in by government officials and interrogated and questioned and people in the media accusing you of being hypnotized and not in control of your own faculties. What's that like? Because I imagine that part in particular would be very triggering for her as a very strong woman. Uh, I think that she would be very upset that somebody claims that she's not within her own capabilities, that she's being coerced in some way where in fact, she's making her own choices. And you know, what was it like dating somebody who had the secret identity of Spider-Man? Because she knew long before the rest of us knew. And talking through just the whole experience of this very public trauma with her, not as a place of saying like, we need to talk about this thing because it happened, but because this is probably the most recent thing that's happened to her. The other thing that I would talk about is trauma from before that. Uh, so she has a history of home trauma as well, not having necessarily the best home life. We don't see a lot of insights into her home life in the films, uh, but from what we can tell, she's not necessarily super happy at home. And what that looks like for her, what that means, is there the possibility of calling, you know, CPS in this situation? How, just how abusive is it? Uh, is there proven abuse, is all that lovely stuff. But on top of the mandated reporting stuff involved, also talking about what she's reacting to with this and what she sees as injustice in the world and in her own life and how she can act on moving those things forward in the ways that empower her. So for Michelle or MJ, eventually, I think she'd let me call her, which is what she lets her friends call her. Um, for MJ, we get to the point of talking about how can we take the bad hands that we've been dealt 
and play them in a way that feels genuine and right and just to ourselves. And doing very basic feminist theory with her, which is something I don't get to talk about a lot on here, but I love doing feminist work and talking about the things that are messed up in society and messed up in her home life and messed up in this public interaction with Spider-Man and how she can empower herself to move through these things. She doesn't get to control the cards that she's been dealt, but she gets to control how she plays them. And what does she want to do with this information? And I think if given enough time, she's going to want to be an activist. She's going to want to be somebody who goes to protests and speaks out to become a, perhaps a public figure where she talks about all of these things with people. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be her job per se, because she's also very talented scientifically um, and is, you know, trying to get into MIT uh, and be, you know, going through that kind of a scientific program. But how can she help women in STEM? How can she help people, uh, you know, people who are not uh, of the dominant social structure in our society get a louder voice because she is outspoken and strong and really emphasizing those points while discussing how the trauma has affected her life and that piece and how it can integrate into what she wants to do with all of this information. So then finally, something weird happens. So this is a little bit down the line. And I'm not sure how to, you know, navigate this because all of a sudden she's functioning a lot better. And I can't remember why she wasn't functioning super well before, at least not, at least some of it. I remember like the home trauma stuff, but there's like, I know that there was a big thing we were talking about, but I just can't remember it anymore. And she doesn't remember it either. But all of a sudden, she seems to be functioning a lot better. She's gotten into college. She is working as a waitress and, you know, serving coffee in a cafe. She is saving money so she can move out of her family's home. She's doing a lot better very suddenly, but neither of us really knows why. And so then it becomes this thing of, for both of us, learning to trust the process and say like, hey, I'm not sure what's going on here, but you seem to be doing better and that's okay. And switching gears to preparing her to go off to college, which she's going to Maryland. I'm located in New York. That would be the end of our therapeutic relationship as well. So to discuss what that transition is going to look like if she wants to get another provider uh, how long I would be willing to stay with her while she searches for another provider and also what it means to be moving on to a new chapter of life. And so that would be where we would leave things off moving forward with MJ, but very weird sensation of just forgetting something really big, but I can't put my finger on it. It's weird. That would be like so weird in the sense of like, did Dr. Strange's spell indirectly rewrite clinical notes because i could imagine many of well it's a, in that yeah. world like all of a sudden has altered clinical notes or yeah well I, anytime I, maybe it, peter's name became someone else's name you know yeah just... be, yeah because peter parker is forgotten not spider-man mm -hmm. so anything with spider-man still exists and people yes. remember it they just don't remember that peter parker was spider-man and they don't remember peter parker at all at all yeah um 
And to the point where it's like, and there's, there's a lot of questions raised by this is like, does he have a social security number? Does yeah. he have like, <laughs> you know, does he have a birth certificate? Does he have mm-hmm. a passport anymore? Like, is it that people have forgotten the connection of Peter Parker to Spider-Man or they've forgotten Peter Parker completely? Does Peter Parker have ne- like, is it that the magic makes it so he's never existed? Like mm-hmm. it, it's so difficult to say within the, the realm of the movie of like, what, what was the, right. how, like how far did the spell go? Does he only exist in the Sony universe or in the Marvel universe? <laughs> well, right now that's really up in the air. Right, uh, which exactly. might which might date uh, this this podcast of when we recorded it because mm-hmm. there's lots of rumors about him making a new deal right now, but none of that has become public yet. So, uh, yeah, but you know, all I think it was just really funny thinking about like what would that spell oh. have done in the therapeutic right. room with her specifically because like there's <laughs> some hints that she might remember stuff um, because she she still wears the broken Dahlia necklace that he got her in. Well, Tyler, love. Love is the greatest source of magic. And with love, that's true. Any spell can be broken. <laughs> maybe the true maybe the true magic was the friends we made along the way. Right. Right. Um, well, thank you. And you kind mm-hmm. of alluded to why earlier, but why specifically mm-hmm. MJ? Well, yeah, it had been a while since I had, you know, gone and specifically chosen a client that's very different from me. Um so that was part of it, obviously. But I think also she's a very interesting, complex character. And Zendaya does such a wonderful job portraying mm-hmm. her. Um, obviously very different from Zendaya's actual personality, but does this incredible job of portraying this young woman who acts in the ways you'd expect for somebody who comes from a home that's a little bit abusive and has devoted herself to her schoolwork and to learning and becoming intelligent because it's a key out of there you know, and also is very, you know, she's very plugged in. She knows that Peter is Spider-Man from way before he ever tells her. He tells her he's Spider-Man. Her response is like, yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like she's known. And I think that sort of hypervigilance also is key of somebody who has been in an abusive, you know, experience Mm -hmm. before. So there's that piece of like, again, this character is just portrayed extremely well and portrayed with the kinds of things that we would expect. But also like, what's it like to be a part of a very public trauma? What's mm-hmm. it like to have you know, experienced being questioned by the government, being questioned by your peers, questioned by people on the street? Because all of a sudden you're a public figu- a figure, even mm-hmm. though you didn't never wanted to be. And is there a way we can use that to empower MJ rather than to say like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'm freaking out. Right. Uh, and, and she does yeah. handle interrogation so well. Again, she knows she's, legal she's cool-headed. Oh, absolutely she does. Um, and as a young woman who is African-American, you know, at least half African-American, that's also realistic, right? Mm-hmm. I've talked with African-American clients before who have said like, yeah, you know, at a young age, my parents had to sit me down and tell me, this is how you interact with a police officer. If somebody pulls yeah. you over, this is what you do, you know, and having that conversation. And so you can tell like, yeah, MJ knows her legal rights. And it's probably partly due to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, 
she's a great character, a wonderful character, wonderfully portrayed. I hope we see more of her. I really right. want to see more of her. Um, Zendaya is a busy woman, though, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would love to revisit her character some more, especially after the cliffhanger uh, at the end of Far From Home, where she grabs the necklace as sort of like, a, I think I might remember this guy, mm-hmm. um, or at least partially. Mm-hmm. So. Now, it'll be interesting to see what they do overall with the the universe of that, because I mean, we're not mm-hmm. going to even be touching it for a couple of years in the MCU anyway, with all they have lined up in between and all the other sequels and try trial yeah. thirds well, they need to do. <laughs> the Spider-Man movies are unique in that mm-hmm. they need to release one every few years. So yeah. Um, it's quite possible that we'll see They'll one that's not one necessarily in. scheduled in just yet. Yeah. Um, see what but, see what deal they can make, and then they'll yeah. schedule something. But in order for Sony to keep the rights to those characters, they have to use them. So, uh, yeah, it would be I would be shocked if we didn't see some sort of Spider-Man movie in the next couple of years because mm-hmm. Sony. Well, I meant to within them. the MCU. Not yeah, that one I'm Sony not sure. First. That yeah. one, who knows. I mean, even if they were like, hey, we're stepping away from the MCU, I would love to see some more Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. So yeah, um, there you go. Anyway. Yes. Well, thank you with that. And we will be taking a show. Oh, no, no, I did it. I did the question. You Don't did, worry. You asked, I didn't no, 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 you did. You're good. <laughs> well, with that all said, we'll be taking a short break and we'll be back with more Stories with Strengths. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where we are talking about movies and shows and things that are holiday experiences, but also not. Uh, I just wrapped up talking about Michelle Jones, aka MJ, from Spider-Man No Way Home. And Jen, I believe you have a new client from a completely different universe. Completely different universe. We're even traveling back in time to the 80s. We are in the small town of Kingston Falls. And while mine does have a lot more nods to Christmas, it Mm -hmm. is definitely not a Christmas movie. So I have a new client named Billy Peltzer. And he is, I'm kind of putting him in his late, late teens, most likely early 20s. um, Cisgender, heterosexual male, who's coming in after having... Another kind of newsworthy, like his experience, he was a part of experience mm-hmm. that made the news. Um, mm-hmm. Even the newscasters, though, are really calling it a very myster- mysterious um, encounter on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve night uh, that led to a lot of destruction of the town, some death, and uh, a really like scary, horrifying experience, especially for Billy. And uh, he is talking about uh, kind of coming in to process those events, but also process some of the information and life experiences that he discovered around those events. So we are talking about the world of Gremlins. Uh, Gremlins is uh, a black comedy film that happens to Mm -hmm. take place on Christmas Eve. So he is describing the fact that... um, He's feeling very responsible for everything that happened. He was given a gift by his father of a 
Mogwall. I'm not going to say that right, though. Um, and was told some very specific rules. Don't expose them to light. Don't let them come in contact with water and never feed them after midnight. And through a series of misfortunate and also very purposeful events, which is what he's kind of talking about. There were times where he actively exposed them to water because he was intrigued and found the whole concept of his little gizmo out like outstanding and magical and wanted to understand more taking him to his old science teacher to be like hey watch this um led to the creation and uh destruction up through the gremlins and uh wanted a chance to process this so again we're doing some basic like you know one yes there are things we can hold ourselves accountable for but then also there were things that were outside of our control. We, um, these creatures were manipulative in their nature. They tricked you, um, not having the knowledge base um, and not having all the information that you needed at the time. And that, you know, leads to some diffusion of that responsibility on you. But then also like, how did you try to control the situation? How did you try to help and rectify? Um, he didn't walk away. He didn't just say, eh, not my fault, not my responsibility. He stepped up to try to rectify the issue and um, clear it up as quickly as possible and understanding that like the local police and the local sheriffs did not necessarily believe what he was saying and having to kind of take matters into his own hand and giving them a space to process those events. And because they were newsworthy, there would be a, an aspect that I understand and know what happens, but I still wanna hear his telling of the story. And then also, you know, we've talked about this with trauma, especially in situations where there is a little more of that supernatural side of meeting the client where they're at. If they are talking about a creature that let loose on the town, and what became destructive, I'm not going to deny that reality that they're coming in with because that might be the language that they're using to process any kind of trauma, any kind of social event that happened to a town. We all find our own language to process it with. Um, even most recently in our culture, a lot of the events that we've gone through, clients have used different types of language and metaphor to process their experience of things. So we're not going to take away the language that he's using, but also find ways to provide coping skills, provide compassion and acceptance terminology that you, um, you were a part of a larger story, but you are not the villain of the story by any means. So that would be basic trauma work. There would be some narrative aspects of it, some CBT aspects of it and acts, which we've talked about in other previous episodes. But the second part of this that I wanted to focus in on was the fact that during these events, his girlfriend, Kate, revealed some of her personal traumas to him mm -hmm. um, related to her family and specifically the holidays and specifically Christmas. And he's having a hard time with that information, like feeling mm. like deeply sorrowed and like, how, how can I be there for her now? I've made another horrible event happen to her around the holidays. Mm. I've put her in another trauma inducing um, 
situation and feeling that guilt. So talking about how we hold space for the people in our life when they share their stories with us and how do we uh, provide um, a safe space for others in our life to process their trauma? How do we provide space for them while also caring for us? Mm -hmm. So doing a little psychoeducation bit on like, even in the profession of therapy, we hear a lot of people's stories and Mm -hmm. some of those stories are not as nice as other stories (laughs) and sometimes they're hard to listen to and we want to provide a safe space for them and bracket off our experience while still also recognizing that this might be triggering us this might Mm be um you know causing a discomfort in us even if we've never had anything experienced like that but just hearing some of the stories that we hear and also um sometimes feeling that like guilt or feeling that responsibility of, oh, should I have my client go there? Are they ready? I don't want to trigger them. I don't want to make their feelings worse. And finding ways that we have done our own personal work, self-care in the moment, mindfulness in the moment, to be able to hold space for people while also taking care of ourselves. So creating um, a toolbox of skills of how do we create a space for our, for his girlfriend to share with him? How did you react when your girlfriend shared this with you? Do you need to go back and, you know, do some reparative work of like, Hey, I really want to thank you for sharing that information with me. You shared it at a time where I wasn't expecting it because we were dealing with little creatures destroying the whole town. And I just want to come back and revisit that conversation if you're comfortable with it. And, you know, reiterating that, like, she may not be comfortable with revisiting that conversation, um, but you can let her know that you're here for her and that you would be welcoming to revisit that conversation if she feels fit. And then while she is and if she does, I should say, want to revisit, how can we be a good listener and empathetic ear while still being her partner and maybe having to say like, hey, I need to now take some time to sit with my feelings and take care of myself in this process without being discouraging or um, without putting out a message of you're too much with your issues. Um, So finding that balance of taking care of others while taking care of yourself. And maybe even at times, if it came to coming in with a one shot couple session, I have done that at times where I kind of call it like the guest visitor of therapy. And we have informed consent processing for that, but providing them a space, even just to talk about what happened with the gremlins together and (laughs) what it was like during the holidays together going through that event. Um, so again, providing that space for him to talk about what it's like hearing someone in your life experiences of trauma in the past and how we can sit with that within ourselves, sit with that as a partner and, uh, provide a space of healing for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. So with that, all that <laughs> said, I want to then take a little step back and talk about gremlins as a whole because gremlins is an actual coping metaphor in the movie I use as a coping metaphor for my clients currently. So um, what's really cool about the actual concept of gremlins and these little uh, mogwals is uh, they come with their own set of self-care rules. 
Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't take care of them in very specific ways, they turn into gremlins. It's so crazy because sometimes when we don't take care of ourselves in our own very specific ways, we become little gremlins. It's true. (laughs) And I have used the metaphors of this movie with clients to be like, what are your three rules? What are your um, what are the, <laughs> your three rules before you become a gremlin to society? <laughs> yeah, and we say it the most compassionately way as possible. But like for me, the idea of like I need to eat breakfast. If I don't eat breakfast sometime in the morning, I get a little gremlin. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Tyler knows this. <laughs> My friends know this. Uh, and you know, what other kind of self-care rules that we have. And I think it's a fun way to look at self-care and Mm -hmm. kind of that language of, you know, we're all allowed to have rules that we need to live by in our life. And then, um, you know, being able to mindfully take care of things because we want to keep our little gizmos in ourselves happy. We don't want them (laughs) to turn into little gremlins. (laughs) We want to keep them really cute and really fluffy um, and take care of them. And if we can, so often it's easier to take care of others than it is to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if we have that extension of we're not taking care of ourselves, we're taking care of the little gremlin, a little gizmo that lives inside of us. And how do we take care of gizmo? We make sure that they eat breakfast. You got to go on a walk every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to connect maybe with others. If that's something that you need in your life, yeah. even if it's just a text message every day. Um, some people it's, I have to go to bed by 9 a.m. Uh, 9 p.m. Like I need to go to bed by 9 a.m. You're right. I have to go to bed by 9 a.m. No, I have to go to bed <laughs> by like 9 p.m. So that I can get a good amount of sleep, even if it means waking up early to complete some work. Mm-hmm. Um, other people might have different self-care rules that they live by, but I like the metaphor and I stole this from one of my um, trainings in the geek therapy, superhero therapy world, but it's a fun little metaphor to think about with the world of gremlins. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all that said, that would be my time with Billy again, focusing on just him processing the events, but again, giving time to talk about caregiver and partner compassion and how t- as we as partners can can help our people in our lives when they come forward with their trauma narratives. Yeah, absolutely. Vicarious trauma is something that we talk about a lot within the field and within, you know, first responders, people who mm-hmm. work in the medical fields. But honestly, like vicarious trauma is also a huge thing just in day to day for a lot of people because Mm -hmm. we share our stories with the people we're close to and a lot of times those stories kind of hurt uh so I think it's a good reminder to say like yeah sometimes at therapy you got to teach that (laughs) I I've done that twice this week already so yeah it's a good time um so you know what made you choose first of all gremlins and then specifically (laughs) this character so just like you, because this was actually my topic idea of like, we should do non-holiday holiday movies. Yeah. I thought it was funny. So the classic Google search, what's a Christmas mm-hmm. movie that's not a Christmas movie. And I don't know if this is, contra- I have never seen Die Hard. And that is the most classic Christmas movie that's not a Christmas movie. I saw it for the first time last year. You're fine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I've missed it over the years. But uh, I was going through the list of what Christmas movies 
what movies can contain Christmas elements to it? And there were couples that I liked that I've seen before, but it's like, oh, they happen to have a Christmas scene. Like it's, it takes place across of a whole year or whichever. And I was like, no, I kind of want to do something that's more set during the holidays, but it isn't focused on Christmas. And then the idea of Gremlins came up and I was like, that's really funny. And because I already had a connection with Gremlins in the therapeutic setting, I was like, okay, let's explore this more. Um, So that's why I chose Gremlins. It's also one of like, I haven't seen it recently. I now want to rewatch it, but I remember it was one of the few like quote unquote scary movies that I didn't hate (laughs) growing up because there was something cute about Gizmo. Um, And I like the concept of it. But then when I was looking at the characters for Gremlins, um, I was like, well, I think I want to do the guy that like the main person who receives the gift and then diving more into the story and seeing his connection with his girlfriend and the things that happened to his girlfriend that she shares with him. I was like, that's actually a pretty interesting conversation to have and something that we really haven't explored yet. So yeah, that's, that was my train of thought. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you very much. That was a very cool breakdown. Uh, And thank you all for listening to the very cool breakdown. Uh, if you'd like, you know, you can always leave a review, leave a star rating, tell your friends, all that lovely stuff that helps us get the word out about us, gets more people listening, gets more people involved. Always a good time. You can follow us at Stories with Shrinks on Instagram, where Jen posts whenever Jen feels like posting. Um, and that's good for her. We love that for her. Uh, and otherwise, we'll see you back here in the new year. This is our last episode for 2022. Uh, you know, don't know what we're going to do in the future, but we're going to keep going, keep on trucking. Um, so we'll catch you in 2023. Take care, everyone. Have a happy holidays. Bye. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com.